This is Crafting the Short Story with your host, author and editor, Darren Todd of DarrenTodd.net. Now, let's explore the agony and the ecstasy, the magic and the mechanics of short fiction. Hello, welcome to another episode of Crafting the Short Story. This is episode 21. So since I touched a little on positives and negatives last week, I figured I'd follow up and spend a little bit more time on that. I'm not giving it much attention as far as I know in previous episodes. So for regular listeners to understand, if I mention it in brief, exactly what I am talking about and be able to reference it if, if there is a question about mentioning positives or negatives in some other episode, here this episode will be, um, to explain it a little bit more in depth. So this is a pretty simple concept with an even simpler way of spotting it. More often than not, it's going to be something not. Uh, that is, don't, can't, won't, that's in a contraction. And that's going to indicate a negative. And a negative doesn't mean negative as in it's bad, uh, nor does a positive indicate that it's good. It's simply that you are saying what something is not rather than saying what something is. And again, the latter is not always preferable, but it could add clarity. Because if your reader is consistently seeing something and you are saying consistently what things are not, eventually it can become confusing. You know, Obviously, if, it, if it's something that is much like last episode in talking about gerunds and whatnot, if this is going to be one of those things that's in your tool belt that is going to help you to be able to make edits to sentences or portions that just don't sound quite right, then that is a huge benefit. In other words, it is one of those things that is essentially a filter that I feel that is advantageous to apply when rewriting, not necessarily one that you're always going to apply. That, oh my God, I've got to look through this and every single time I use a negative, it needs to be corrected. No, I think more of in terms of if you're reading something and it doesn't sound quite right, it's one more tool that you have to be able to say, oh, well, maybe it's because I'm using a negative here. Let me turn it into a positive and perhaps that will change it. Perhaps then I'll feel better about the way that something sounds that, that sounds a little off on first read. You know, because, spoiler alert, making a sentence positive isn't always the best answer. I'll use several examples for this and hopefully give listeners the desire to try this kind of editing out on their own work, um, but certainly on the work of others. Now, in my case, I, I tend to prefer a more positive voice, so what ends up happening is most of my work doesn't have negatives. It doesn't have many negatives in it. Or negatives, I should say, are seldom the culprit if something sounds bad. And I certainly have bad sentences, to be sure, that need to be rewritten. Seldom is it the, the negative. However, when I'm editing other people's works, especially if it's someone who hasn't really given a lot of thought to whether negatives might have an impact on whether the work can be understood readily by other readers, then that can be a really good tool to have in terms of peer review or even if you're you know, being paid to be an editor or whatever. So let's take a few examples. Now, some of them are extremely easy to apply. Brian couldn't stand waiting in line. The negative there being could not. So again, it doesn't mean automatically that you're going to say what is as opposed to what is not. You could. So let's look at how to say what is. Brian couldn't stand waiting in line. That is what is not. 
what is, Brian liked to buy his tickets hours ahead of time to avoid the lines. So that's what is. So it's saying, essentially it's showing you that he doesn't like waiting in lines because he's going through great efforts and great lengths and, and, and in an atypical fashion. Imagine someone who consistently bought their tickets for a 7 o'clock show, you know, 1 o'clock or something. Um, that definitely is going through some lengths to avoid lines. And it's showing that, and that's good. But sometimes you can still keep, essentially, what isn't instead of what is, but still get rid of the negative with the right kind of verb. That sounds a little confusing, but look at this example. Brian couldn't stand waiting in line. Brian detested waiting in line. We know he doesn't like waiting in lines. We don't know what that means so far as what he does or what he doesn't. Now, granted, there could have been some sort of action preceding this line, and then this line is essentially explaining that action. He detested waiting in line. Uh, so Brian dropped a dollar bill, and when the man turned to investigate, Brian slipped you know, three people back in line, uh, and Brian detested waiting in line. Something like that. You know, whatever. That's just off the cuff. But the point being that oftentimes a better verb is the answer to replacing a negative. So instead of couldn't stand, detested. Another example. My mom wouldn't be happy about my grades. So you're saying what she isn't. She is not happy. So we don't really know what she is. And applying the exact opposite doesn't always work. So in this case, what is the opposite of happy? Sad. Okay, but because one is somewhat colloquial, wouldn't be happy. She's not going to be happy about this. Well, what is the opposite of someone who is not happy about something? They're angry about something. They're not sad. You wouldn't say, my mom would be sad about my grades. My mom would be mad about my grades. That, in this case, is the opposite of wouldn't be happy. You can also, that's not very exciting, you could also look for a better verb choice. Oftentimes with this, I'll be talking about that. If you have to be verbs, use a better verb. If you've got uh, the, the participles we were talking about last week, sometimes you can just use a better verb. Uh, in this case, same thing. Maybe the opposite of wouldn't be happy is not just sad, but my mom would freak out over my grades. Much better. Pops doesn't have the negative. It says what is as opposed to what is not. Another example, Sally didn't enjoy feeling like a fifth wheel. Now, in this case, it's not necessarily colloquial. You're not saying didn't enjoy, ironically. You're not saying didn't enjoy to indicate that she really didn't enjoy it. It simply says she didn't enjoy it. She didn't enjoy feeling like a fifth wheel. So you could replace that with Sally disliked feeling like a fifth wheel. Now, that doesn't sound too bad, but you have disliked and liked in the same sentence. So you could you know, continue with that, play around with the sentence. Sally disliked her brother regarding her as a fifth wheel. Now we've revealed even more information, maybe even got rid of something else, you know, something that the, the, the brother might have had to say or something that had to be revealed in narrative summary, whatever. You might have gotten rid of something that took an entire other sentence, just throwing in a little bit of detail to this sentence that, in my opinion, going from not only having a negative, but revealing something about the dynamics between the characters ends up being far superior. Sally didn't enjoy feeling like a fifth wheel. Sally disliked her brother regarding her as a fifth wheel or treating her as a fifth wheel. Treating is a little bit more direct regarding her. It's like, what does that even mean? One more example, 
And then we'll get to some cases where I feel that it is either extremely hard or that we might want to stick with the negative um, as it sits. It wasn't that he couldn't find his keys. His wife had just moved them, as was her habit. So this one, I think, it isn't something I would look at and say, well, gosh, you know, I've got to get rid of those negatives. I'm going to take out both of them, and I have to. Well, maybe just taking out one would make it a little more easier to comprehend, because right now it wasn't that he couldn't find his keys. Well, that's tough. That's kind of tough to, to unpack, especially as you're reading. You know, your eyes are, are flying across the page. You don't really want to see something like that, where you have to unpack it in your head and unravel the order of things and, and keep flipping what is or what is not. So maybe just taking out one of them. It wasn't that he'd lost his keys. His wife had just moved them, as was her habit. Or, if you wanted to get rid of the was... He hadn't lost his keys. His wife had just moved them, as was her habit. Now, if you did want to get rid of both, it would probably take a little bit more adjusting, and you certainly could, and that's fine as well. Normally, he could find his keys, but his wife had moved them, as was her habit. Or, if you said normally he could find his keys, uh, then maybe his wife just formed this habit. So it could be even something along the lines of, normally he could find his keys, but his wife had moved them, as was her new habit. There are cases, however, where it is a little tougher, and you might, as much as I talked about last week, want to just completely upend the sentence and go with something entirely different. Consider, he didn't understand what was happening. And that's a pretty popular construction. I see that very often. So you don't really have, it's not terribly telling. You have a negative in there, you've got a to-be verb, but switching that around, let's get rid of the negative and make it positive. He was unaware of what was happening. Okay, well, in so doing, however, we have a to-be verb, actually to, one of them uh, being a linking verb, which is, as uh, discussed before, not the sin that a straight-up to-be verb is, but still stands out a bit on the page um, and isn't terribly telling. So that might be something where, in changing the negative, maybe you look at that and say, well, I don't really like what changing the negative to a positive did. Maybe I need to change the entire thing around. So, he didn't understand what was happening becomes, he knew only confusion. It's more brief, concise, it's extremely difficult to misunderstand, whereas anytime you're introducing a negative that is not any bit a colloquialism or used for irony, you are risking the reader being confused by what you're saying. I mean, how many times, indeed, have you read something that was a negative, especially if it was using the emphatic, I find. Did. He definitely did. Or he definitely did not. Etc., etc., etc. And by the end of the sentence, you're saying, oh, wait a minute, what? And you have to go back, oh, he didn't do this. So essentially, you read the entire sentence thinking that this sentence is telling you what is, and you have forgotten that, oh, wait, at the beginning there was that indication that you were telling me what is not. Okay, he doesn't like this thing. And it requires that reread. Now, there are times, however, when I believe it's probably beneficial to keep it. These might be somewhat rare. I mean, you know, I've, I've been known on occasion more if I'm writing something like a blog or if I'm writing, you know, whatever it is. It definitely would be casual, but it could also be speech. It could only be dialogue between a character. I don't know that I would use this in narrative, but I do find it's kind of funny. The, the very contemporaneous construction, I'm not saying I saved someone's life but I'm not not saying it. And, you know, something like that can be quite clever. Now, of course, you run the risk of, you know, someone 10 years from now 
not really knowing that and reading it and saying, I'm not entirely sure what's what's going on here, but it, it just depends on what your audience. If your audience is uh, especially you know young, going to understand that language up on those modern colloquialisms, use it. You don't want to follow these rules just arbitrarily because then it could the joke can completely fall apart or the colloquialism could then fall apart. And there's some there's certainly some language constructs that last longer than others. Consider, you know, when I was a kid, it was bad meant good. Well, now you could say, man, that's bad. And, you know, I would say the majority of people would understand even tonally what you were talking about, but you'd still lose some people. Whereas cool, for instance, has been around a long time and still no, I mean, maybe because it's not trying to mean its opposite. Uh, you certainly aren't, ta- aren't saying something is cool when it's actually hot, but it still holds up really well. And I think that there are definitely some of those that have entered or the way that we speak. So again, I would, I would suggest these as uh, pieces used in dialogue that are negatives, but ones I would probably keep. If I saw something like you can't be serious, especially emphasis on can't. Let's say can't is italicized. I'm not going to change that to I doubt you're serious, because then it you can't be serious is a is a part is a colloquialism that people use. Now, granted, if you're talking about something written in first person and this is a part of the narrative, I might even look at that and say, well, it's a little bit overused. Yes, people speak that way, but eh, try and be a little bit more original in the narrative. But dialogue, I would keep it. Another example being, don't go. Now, there's something said about don't go. That is maybe accepting the fact that the person wants to go. It's already assumed the person wants to go. So there is the will of the person being spoken to and not just the speaker. Well, let's make that positive. Stay. That says something about the speaker, but it doesn't say anything about the person he's speaking to. Maybe the person intended to stay all along. Maybe the person was ambivalent about it. It certainly doesn't automatically indicate that the person had one foot out the door the way that don't go would. Consider one more example so far as that goes. I don't need your help. That to me is a statement of solidarity. Whereas, let's make it positive, I can do it myself. Almost smacks of stubbornness as opposed to solidarity. One last example. It's not that I'm unhappy dot, 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 let's say. The person, that could either be a narrative or that could be something that's spoken in dialogue. What the person is actually saying is, everything suggests I'm unhappy, but I'm about to oppose that, whether it's true or not. I'm going to suggest that that isn't the case. Let's make that positive, however. I'm mostly happy. It's saying something very different. That is almost the opposite. That, to me, would be said by someone who appears happy that everyone thinks is happy, and yet in reality has something underlying that is not happy. So in all these things, I would encourage, if there's just something wrong with a sentence that you've come across, you're reading it, you're not sure exactly what's up with it, and you've got a negative in there, definitely consider changing it. Or if there's low-hanging fruit. I mean, if, if you're coming across a lot of negatives that you can very quickly flip into a much more suitable verb, do it. If it takes two seconds to do it, just just knock it out. Because relying upon stronger verbs is always a good habit anyway. And yet, of course, make sure you are looking out for these little colloquialisms or things that are going to change the meaning entirely. And not just saying, well, if I see a contraction of, of apostrophe NT, it's getting changed. So, there's a brief introduction to positive and negative. Thanks for listening. Hope you come again next week. Subscribe on iTunes. And rate if you enjoy this podcast. 
and we'll see you again next week. This has been Crafting the Short Story with Darren Todd. Visit Darren online at darrentodd.net.